You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win <clears throat> How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Tuesday, and I'm so happy to have you with us, us today. Tag a friend. Let them know that we're live. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're so glad to have you with us today, and we're going to have a, a good week today, a good lesson today. Uh, I want you to call someone, let them know that we're live, let them know that we're on. At the end of the uh, teaching today, I want you to send me your questions. In fact, you can send your questions all through the teaching. I got my iPad here. I'm ready to take your questions. I'll answer your questions at the end of the podcast. Now, listen, I want you to share what you're getting. You know, technology helps us. Uh, it's very easy. All you got to do is push share today and share the lesson with somebody else. I believe it's going to be a blessing. Now, we're talking on a series that we began some time ago entitled Mixing Faith with God's Word. This is our fifth lesson. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says that the word preached did not profit Israel because they did not mix faith with what they heard. God wants the word to profit you. He wants the word to profit me. He wants the word, the Bible, the, the, the written word, the rhema word, the things the Holy Spirit speaks into our hearts. God wants us to profit. But the Bible says we must mix faith with God's word. Now, this series has four areas of importance. Number one, focus. Second area is foundation. Third area is process. And the fourth area is development. So we're talking about the focus of our faith, the foundation of our faith, the process of our faith, and the development of our faith. Now, we've talked about the focus of our faith. We've talked about the foundation of our faith. And two lessons ago, we began to talk about the process of faith, the process. This is part three of the process of faith. The process of faith has to do with how faith works. And every Christian, every believer has to know how faith works. How do I take my faith? and cause what God says to me to work in my life, to, to cause manifestation to come in my life? How, how do I live by faith? How does this faith thing works? So the process of faith has to do with how faith works. And if you ever wanted to know how faith works, this is the series. I mean, this is the one. This is the series. Now, there are four components to the faith process, and I try to make it simple by illustrating it. Now, if you're watching the podcast, I want you to follow along with me. 
follow my my lead. Now, if you're driving and listen to the podcast, surely you can't you can't do what I'm asking you to do. But the process of faith, how faith works, involves four components. It involves your ears. I want you to take your hand and your fingers and point them toward your ears, your ears. Faith involves the process, your heart. Place your hands over your heart. It involves your mouth. Take your fingers and touch your lips. It involves your mouth. And then faith involves your hands. Take your hands and move your hands like I'm moving them now, up and down. Move your hands up and down. So the faith process involves our ears, our heart, our mouth, and our hands. Our ears, our heart, our mouth, and our hands. Now, the the first component of the faith process, it involves our ears. We have to hear what God says to us. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. We have to hear what God is saying to us, either through his written word or through his instructions or his words spoken to us by his spirit. Then secondly, once we hear, that's what the ear has to do with hearing, we must believe, that's the heart. We must believe what God says to us. We must believe it independent of our thoughts, independent of our senses, the information that we're receiving through our our bodies, our five sense gates. We must believe it independent of our circumstances and independent of our emotions. We must believe it with our hearts. We must believe we have it now. Then third component, is that we must speak it, what God says, out of our mouths. And then fourthly, we must act on the word. That's what the hands represent, action, acting out on what we heard, what we believe, what we said. So we're talking about this this third component. We're talking about the mouth speaking. Today, we're going to be talking about speaking. So my subtopic for today is what you say or don't say matters. What you say or don't say matters. We're talking today about the importance of using your mouth to effect change in your life. The importance of using your mouth to effect change in your life. Now, this really is a prophetic declaration that the Holy Spirit spoke to me some years ago. I was making some confessions over the church that I pastor and I was speaking some things over my life and my situation. I keep a journal. So I record what the Holy spirit says to me and the Holy spirit said this to me because I had gone through a period where I was not speaking or confessing God's word. 
And I realized that I had allowed my confession to slip. Sometimes you can know the right thing to do. You can know how something works and yet be negligent in doing it. So I had I entered to some negligence in that I, I knew I should be saying some things, but I wasn't. And I started back. And the moment I started back speaking the word over my situation, over my church, over the vision, the Holy Spirit spoke to me supernaturally. I heard him the way you're hearing me now. And he said these words, your words are effecting change. Your words are effecting change. So that, that's the essence of what we're going to be talking about, the importance of you using your mouth to effect change in your life, to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Now, I'm going to give you three power statements, three power statements in this lesson, three power statements. I'm going to give you the statements, and then I am going to give you proof text from the scripture to back up the statement, and then I'll throw in uh, here and there some illustrations and some examples, maybe testimonies, maybe personal stuff, or just illustrations of what I'm talking about. So the first power statement, now remember, we're talking about this third component of the faith process. We're talking about the mouth speaking, the importance of using your mouth in effecting change in your life. So here's the first power statement. You ready? You know, the beautiful thing about technology now is that you can record things on your phone. You can record things on your computer and save them. And if you're taking physical notes with a pen or a pad, I want you to write down these uh, power statements. And here's the first one. Words spoken out of our mouth is how we release faith and transact business in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. Words spoken out of our mouth is how we release faith and transact business in the kingdom of God. Now, notice, how do we release our faith? That's what this statement is saying. How do we release our faith? How do we transact business in the kingdom of God? We're in the kingdom. If you're born again, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. So you're in a new kingdom. You're not in the old kingdom that you were in when you were unsaved. There are principles. There, there are procedures. There are ways of doing things in the kingdom. So, the way we release our faith, because faith won't work if you don't release it. The way we release our faith in the kingdom 
is through the words that we speak out of our mouths. The way we transact business in the kingdom of God is through words that we speak out of our mouths. Now, I got my iPad. Any questions, you can send any questions that you have. Now, listen at this. Words spoken out of our mouth is how we release our faith and how we transact business in the kingdom of God. That's our first power statement. Now, we want to look, and, and what did Jesus say about this? Because this power statement was created out of what Jesus said. We're going to look at what Jesus said. We're going to look at what Paul said, because this is a very important point. If you're going to release faith, if you're going to transact business in the kingdom, it is done through the words you speak out of your mouth. Now listen to Jesus in Mark 11, 22. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. And we talked about the focus of our faith in our, our very first lesson. Have faith in God. Then in verse 23, he tells us how to do it. Now watch this. He says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, when you look at Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God, we're given instructions. When we look at Mark 11, 23, we give the, we're given by Jesus the answer to how to carry out the instructions of having faith in God. And in that 23rd verse, the word say, S-A-Y, or saith, S-A-I-T-H, saith simply means present tense continuum. It means what you're consistently saying. So say or saith in the 23rd verse is mentioned three times and believing is mentioned once. Take the time, go back and look at that 23rd verse, Mark eleven twenty-three. You'll see that we're to believe in our heart and doubt not. Mentioned one time. But the word say or saith are mentioned three times in that 23rd verse, which speaks to the importance of speaking in the kingdom of God the importance of speaking in the kingdom of God. Now, the word saith in Mark eleven twenty three is in the present tense, saith what you're consistently saying, present tense continuum. The word saith is in the present tense, which implies that we must say what we believe in the present tense. 
This is good stuff now. We must say what we believe in the present tense. In other words, if it's healing, I have to say, if it's health that I want, I have to say, I believe I am healed. Now, notice how I'm saying that. Not going to be. I believe I am healed. I must say what I believe in the present tense. If it's deliverance, I must say what I believe in the present tense. I believe I am delivered. Now, notice how I said that. I believe, I'm saying what I believe. I believe I am delivered. If it's wisdom that I want, I believe I have God's wisdom on the matter. We must say, now we're talking about the words we speak. We must say what we believe in the present tense. So notice in Mark 11, 23, Jesus tells us to have faith in God. Then in verse 23, he gives us the method, the, the how to have faith in God. Jesus is saying, is saying to have faith in God, we must say with our mouths what we believe in our hearts in the present tense. Now, let, let's look at an illustration. This is so, this is so good. Let, let's look at an illustration. In Matthew 15, verse 28, I want you to make a note of this. In Mark 7, 29, there's a story that's recorded in both Gospels. Matthew 15, Mark 7. The Bible says that a Greek woman, a Syrophoenician by nation. She was born uh, outside of Israel. She was not an Israelite. She was not a Jew. She was a Greek, a, a Syrophoenician by birth. She came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. She is demonized. She needs deliverance. And Jesus, I want you to deliver my daughter. Jesus said, now, Daughter, no, he didn't use the word daughter. He said, woman, I'm only sent to the house of Israel. In other words, she said, in this season, I am sent to the Jews. And then she just persisted. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear my daughter. I want you to hear my daughter. Then Jesus says, it's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, it sounds derogatory, but he was not being condescending. He was using a natural illustration of a, a house, and you got the children in the home, and they have a pet, okay? And the parents value the children more than they do the pet. Even though they love the pet, they love their children more. The children have a right to go in the refrigerator. The children have a right to sit down at the table. The children have a right to have their needs met. And the pet doesn't have the same level of right that the children have. Well, she said, well, that's true. That's true. She flowed with the illustration. She said, but even the children 
even the dogs, the pets, have a right to the crumbs that fall from the, the children's table. And when Jesus heard this woman say this in Matthew 15, 28, this is Jesus' reply. He said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. He said, woman. See, she pressed in with her faith. He said, woman, great is your faith. Be it to you as you desire. Now watch this. That's Matthew 15, 28. In Matthew 15, 28, he said to the woman, great is your faith. In Mark 7, 29, a recording of the same a story, Jesus said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. For this saying, now notice Matthew's account, he said, great is your faith. Mark's account, he says, for this saying. Now notice, Jesus equates saying to faith. Saying what you say to faith. Now, how did Jesus know the woman had great faith? Jesus knew the woman had great faith by what she said, what she spoke out of her mouth. Now, this is powerful. You have to get this. You've got to get this. And I believe you're getting it right now. Now, when we look back at this power statement, words spoken out of our mouths is how we release our faith and transact business in the kingdom of God. We've seen what Jesus said. Now, let's shift and let's see what the apostle Paul said. In Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 10, pardon me, Romans chapter 10, verse 6. Listen what, what Paul said. He said, the righteousness which of faith speaks. He said, the righteousness which is of faith speaks. Then in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, he says, he, he said, but what Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Now, in verse 6, Romans 10, 6, he said, the righteousness which is of faith speaks. In Romans 10, verse 8, he asked, asked, asked the question, but what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, Paul says, is the word of faith. He says, the righteousness which of faith, Romans 10, 6, speaks. Romans 10, 8, what does it say? It says this, the word must be in your mouth and in your heart. And Paul says, this is the word of faith. The word of faith is having the word in your heart and releasing it out of your mouth. Romans 10, 10, Paul says, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness or right standing. 
With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. The word salvation is a large word. It doesn't mean just born again, but it's a word in the Greek that means healing, health. It means preservation, safety, protection. It means provision. So Paul says that with our mouths, we confess our way unto salvation. We confess our way unto health. We confess our way unto provision. We confess our way unto safety. With the mouth, confession is made unto. Then in 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul says, we have in the same spirit of faith. Now, Paul talked about the word of faith. In Romans 10. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4.13, he talks about the spirit of faith, the essence of faith. He says, we have in the same spirit of faith, according, this is 2 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13. This is 2 Corinthians 4.13. Paul says, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore speak. We also believe and therefore speak. And I notice Paul says, this is powerful. He says that the spirit of faith is believing what's written and speaking it. Believing what's written and speaking it. That is the spirit of faith. Believing, but believing is not enough. You can't just believe it. Paul says we have to speak what's written. We have to speak what's written. We have to speak what's written. We have to believe what's written, but it still won't work with just believing it. We have to speak what's written. We have to speak what's written in God's word. We have to speak what the Holy Spirit says to her. The Spirit of God will give you insight about matters in your life and situations. He'll speak a rhema word to you. Keep a journal. Write it down. But the Holy Spirit needs your partnership. Even though he speaks something to you, it will not come into manifestation until you release it. You have to believe what he says is in your journal, but it won't work just in your journal. It's in your heart, but it won't work just in your heart. Should be in your journal, should be in your heart, but now you got to release it. You got to say what God said. You got to speak what God says, and the Bible says that the spirit of faith. Now, let's go to our second power statement. Now, this is life transforming, and I see a, a comment there. Come on, send me your comments, send your questions. The second power statement, the faith, faith-filled words spoken out of our mouths affect things in the natural world. That's so good. That's good. I'll say that again. Faith-filled words spoken out of our mouths affect things in the natural world. Do you want to affect some things in the natural world? Do you want to change some things in the natural world? Do you want manifestations in the natural world? Then faith-filled words spoken out of our mouths affect 
things in the natural world. Faith-filled words. I'm talking about the written word is full of faith. The things the Spirit of God speaks to you and you write down in your journal is full of faith. These faith-filled words, whether they're written or a rhema word that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, these faith-filled words spoken out of your mouth will affect things in the natural world. And that's what Jesus was saying to me by his spirit. He says, your words are effecting change. Now, Jesus said in Mark 11, 23, Matthew 7, 20, that we're to speak to the mountain. We're to speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed. And Jesus said, it will move. Speak to it. So we see that Jesus spoke to a tree in Mark 11, 14, and 20, verse 20. And that tree dried up from the root and withered. It died. And Jesus spoke to it. In Mark 4.39, Jesus spoke to a storm and it calmed down. In Luke 4.35, Jesus spoke to a demon and that demon left the person. In Mark 5.41 through 42, There was a 12-year-old girl who had died. Jesus spoke to that girl. In John 11, a friend of Jesus, Lazarus, died, and Jesus spoke to Lazarus. So Jesus spoke to a dead body, a 12-year-old girl, daughter, I say unto you, arise, and that girl came back to life. Jesus spoke to a man, Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, and said, Lazarus, come forth. And that man came forth. In each case, speaking to the tree, speaking to the storm, speaking to demons, speaking to the dead, in each case, Jesus used spoken words. So if you're going to effect change, if you want some things to change, you got to use your mouth. You got to use your mouth. That's how it works in the kingdom. Now let's look at our third power statement. Our third power statement is words spoken out of our mouths is how we resist Satan and overcome his attacks. Here's that third statement. Words spoken out of our mouths is how we resist Satan and overcome his attacks. Now, you notice in each one of these power statements, we're talking about words spoken out of the mouth. 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 Third power statement is how we resist Satan and overcome his attacks attacks, his challenges, his temptations. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, the challenges, the tests, the temptations of the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In, In Matthew 4, Jesus went through what we call the wilderness temptation, the wilderness temptation. And on three occasions, Satan came to Jesus and challenged him and tempted him. 
The Bible says that the first temptation, Satan came to Jesus after a long fast, after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was, a hung, was hungry, and Satan said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Now listen how Jesus answered. Mark 4, 4, Jesus answered him and said to him, he said to the devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but I every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now listen, Satan came to tempt Jesus and Jesus turned to the devil and he said to the devil, it is written. And he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. What Jesus said was not original. It was in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus took what was written, put it in his heart, spoke it out of his mouth to the devil. He resisted him with the word of God flowing out of his mouth. Then Satan took Jesus up on the temple uh, Jerusalem and say, now cast yourself down because the angels, Psalms 91, is going to catch you. Now, Jesus answered him again in Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord. When Jesus says you shall not tempt the Lord, he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. So Jesus, again, is taking the word that was written. It wasn't original, and he's believing it, and he's speaking to the devil. He's saying to Satan, now watch this. So the third temptation, uh, Satan showed him all the kings of the world. He said, now listen, Jesus. If you bow down, I'll give you all these kings. That's why you came. Get the kingdom. I'll give them to you if you bow down. Now, in Matthew 4.10, Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. Again, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, and then in Matthew 411, it says the devil left him. So in three occasions, Jesus was tempted by the devil. And Jesus' response in Matthew 4, Matthew 4, 4, Matthew 4, 7, and Matthew 4, 10 was it is written. And then the Bible says the devil left him. Now, I'm telling you, you got to get this speaking part down. So I got, I got some questions and a comment that I want to make in closing. If you have any questions, I see two comments. If you have any questions, I want to answer them in just a moment. Now, listen at this. This is important. We've seen how faith is released. We've seen how to overcome the enemy. We've seen how to affect change by words spoken out of our mouth. So my question to you, my question to you is, are you saying anything? Are you saying anything? Are you speaking any words out of your mouth about your vision, about your dream, about your challenge, about your circumstances? Are you saying anything to Satan, to demons, to, to circumstances? Are you saying anything? Okay, now listen. Listen to me carefully now. I'm, I'm, I'm near closing. I'm bound to close. 
You can love Jesus all you want. You can be born again. You, If you die right now, you'll go to heaven. But if you're not saying anything, then you're not in faith. You're not in faith. Now, you can have desires. What you desire can be God's will, but it's not going to manifest because God works in partnership with us. God has a part. We have a part. Are you saying anything? Are you speaking any words out of your mouth? Not talking about what you know, not talking about what you heard, not talking about the church you're a member of. I'm asking you a question. Are you saying anything? And if you're not, you are not in faith. You're not mixing faith, and the word won't profit you. Now, second question. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying about your life? What are you saying about your circumstance? What are you saying about your situation? If what you are saying, you are saying it, but it's inconsistent with the word. It has nothing to do with the word. You're simply saying what you feel. You're saying your circumstances. You're saying what your senses are, the information you're receiving through your senses. You're saying your thoughts. You're saying your feelings, but it's not consistent with the word. Then you are not in faith. Now, Here's how you here's how you will know you're in faith. Faith people often sound arrogant. Did you hear that? Faith people often sound arrogant. I'll give you an illustration and then I'm gonna answer your answer your questions because I see a question there. Faith people often sounds arrogant to the uninformed mind. I give you illustration. I give you illustration. Then I go to the questions. I go to the questions. In my church, over the years, I have said this. I have said to members, listen, you're not going to walk around with your head down because I have done something immoral or out crazy, or you're not going to read about me in the papers having ran, run around with women or done this crazy stuff. I say, you're not going to do that. And I've said with my mouth out loud that I'm not going to fall. I've said when the dust settles, I'm going to be standing. Listen, I don't care what preachers do. I don't care who falls. I don't care who misses it. I am not going to fall into some immoral behavior. It's not going to happen. Now, when you hear that, you'd be like, oh, pastor, ooh, I wouldn't say that. Ooh, I got to pray for my pastor. Ooh, the devil going to get him. If he, oh, the devil going, he better watch it because that's arrogance. No, it sounds like arrogance. Let me tell you the backdrop of it. Let me tell you the background because faith people sound arrogant. Years ago, at the beginning of my ministry, early in my ministry, 40-some years ago, I was reading all these uh, 
uh, books and, and histories of great men and women of God. I mean, I was reading because I wanted to be a great man of God. I mean, I wanted to do exploits. But I noticed a, a common situation in, in some of them. They would perform greatly and then they would either fall into some immoral sin and maybe sex affairs with women or it may be drug addiction or homosexuality. Or it was just a lot of stuff. And I was seeing these great men and women fall and, and I fell on the floor and I was praying out to God and I was crying out to God. And I said, now, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fail. I don't want to hurt your people. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to embarrass you. And I was crying out to God. You know, I had been in ministry that long. I was crying out to God and the spirit of God gave me a word. He said, you shall both do great things and prevail. And for 40 years, above 40 years, I have stood on that. He said that I was telling him I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to hurt his people because every time a minister falls, it hurts somebody. Uh, he, he said to me, you're going to do great things. You're going to prevail. So all I've said for years is when the deaths are settled, I'm going to stand. You're not going to read about me in the papers. You're not going to hear about I did something more. Now, it sounds arrogant to an uninformed mind, but I'm not basing that on my holiness. I'm not basing it on that because I can't fall. I can't be tempted. I know I can. Women still look good to me. I know I can make bad decisions, but I'm not basing it on me. I'm basing it on what he said. You shall both do great things and prevail. So I believe God whenever I'm tempted, because I still am tempted. I still am tempted. Whenever I'm tempted, I say, I shall both do great things and prevail. Say, no, that's not going to happen because I shall both do. See, I'm taking what God says. I believe it. I'm saying it. When he brings a temptation, I talk right back to him. I say, no, I shall both do great things and prevail. I'm tempted now, but I know I shall both do great things and prevail. I am speaking out loud what God said to me, and I'm basing not falling on what God said. But when you're uninformed and you hear me say, when the dust settles, I'll be standing. I don't care what happened to all the preachers. Listen, you're not going to read about me. You're not going to have your head down because I did something crazy. You say it sounds arrogant, but once you know why I'm saying it, then you understand that it's faith-filled words. Now, faith people sound arrogant, and people are going to misunderstand you. If you do this right, if you put yourself out on the limb and you declare where you're going based on what God said to you, you're going to sound arrogant to the informed mind. Now, listen, this, this is a good lesson. I want you to go back. I want you to listen to it. It'll make a difference in your life. But you're going to have to get out on the limb, and you're going to have to start talking what you believe. Now, some of you, you're quiet. you you got low-key personality. You don't want people to misunderstand you. So you're not saying anything. And guess what? It's not going to manifest. you got to get out on the limb. I've said that for years publicly, right in front of folk. You got to get out on the limb. I've said for years, people are coming from far and near, rising up early in the morning to come hear the word. I say that, and I'm going to keep saying it because that's how faith is released, and that's how you transact 
business in the kingdom of God. Well, that's that's it for this lesson. I want to look at your comment. Uh, comment. I believe I'm healed. I believe God's report, not the doctor's report. I, that's a good, Deborah. that's a good confession. Keep confessing that. Comment. I can hardly sit still. My heart is overflowing with the attitude of gratitude from this teaching from Pastor Mike. Thank you, Evelyn. I'm glad you were blessed by it. Here's a question. Why is it that the, some people I know have such a good life, great health, job, home, etc., and don't care nothing about Christianity, church, being saved, or shake their head at me for being such a believer and still have so much negative things going on in my life, my body, and on and on. It makes one think about why me, God, I'm thinking about doing what it requires to get to heaven. Am I right? Okay, now that's a good question. And I'm going I'm I'm gonna answer it. Now, number one, when you say um, it, some people live a good life, great health, great job, great home, and care nothing about Christianity. Now, much of the time when you're saying that, you're, you're, most of the time, most of the time, you're talking about their financial well-being. Mm-hmm. They may have plenty of money. They may have this. Because really, you don't know what's happening in their health. You really don't know. I mean, people don't always tell you. It can look like people are healthy and they die. You know, you don't know fully. You don't know fully what's going on in their home. You think you know what's going on in their home. People don't always tell. People can be married for 20 years. They get a divorce after 20 years and all that kind of stuff. So you don't know what's going on in people's house. So most of the time, what you see, and it looks like people are doing great, that's just naturally. We're Maybe they are doing great naturally. But if they don't care about God, they're not doing great. It just appear that they're doing great. You cannot do great and don't care about God. It's impossible. What you're talking about is what you see. It looks like they're doing better than you. Now, that's them. Okay, that's them. Let's talk about you. You care. Apparently, you care. You save, uh, and you're a believer, but so much negative things going on in my life and my body on and on. Now, I promise you, watch this. If negative things is going on in your life consistently, consistently, you're not doing what I'm saying. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. I I can promise you, you may know this, but you're not doing it because you said that it's all you said that negative things is going on in my life, my body on and on, negative things, just negative things. You're talking it. You're talking about it. You're not, you're not, you're not talking, you're not releasing faith. You're releasing faith in what you see. It's negative things going on, negative things going on. Listen, I had negative things going on in my life. I had negative things going on in my health. I had negative things going on in my body. I had negative things going on in my marriage. I had negative things going on in my finances. If it's ongoing forever and it never changes, then you can't be doing this. Now, listen, 
It's a great question, but you can't be. I wasn't doing that. I was talking a lot about, man, I got some problems in my marriage. Man, I'm struggling in my marriage. Man, Pete, don't love me. Man, you know, we having a hard time. I'm not sure. See, I'm talking that. I'm talking my finances, you know, you know, I wish I could do something. I wish I could go on a vacation. I wish I could do this. I wish my church could grow. I wish this. That's not faith. That's just talking about what's going on. I had to change what I say and make it a lifestyle. I had to decide this is the way I'm going to talk. This is the way I'm going to operate forever. If it never works, I'm going to do this. You cannot operate by faith and things don't change. That's impossible because if it, if it doesn't change, then God lied. God lied. No, if you evaluate consistently what you're saying about your health, what you're saying about your circumstance, and what you're saying about your life, I promise you, you're not consistently doing this. You may feel like you're doing it. You may do it sometimes, but then sometimes you get to looking at your body and you start thinking, it's not getting better. It's not, I promise you, you cannot work the word and the word not produce. Sometimes we think we are, but we're not. Sometimes we do it for a moment, then we back in the natural. So outstanding question. Um, when you start going to God, what about me? What about me? Then that's not faith. Right away, you're saying God is your problem. What about me? Uh why me, God? Why am I going through? You're going through because you're in the world, because we are not in heaven, because the devil wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill you. Am I thinking about doing what it requires to get to heaven? Now, see right there. I am thinking about doing what it requires to get to heaven. See right there. That's not faith. That See, listen what you said. I am thinking, you said, it makes one think about why me, God? I am thinking about doing what it requires to get to heaven, what it requires to get to heaven. That's not faith. Because what you do don't get you to heaven. What you do don't get you to heaven. So if you're trying to do what it requires to get to heaven, you're not, you're not going to get, you're not in faith. Because we don't get to heaven by what we do. We get to heaven by what Jesus did in his life, death, resurrection. So you're asking the question, am I right? No. And I mean that as kind as I can. I, I'm, I hope I don't sound mean or disrespectful to you because I don't know you. And it's great questions. And I'm here to answer your questions. The questions are great. And many other people have the same feelings, but no, you're not right. You're absolutely 100% inaccurate. And I hope that that kind of makes sense to you, but I'm going to keep working at it until it makes sense to you. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much for asking your question because that's very helpful for others as well as you. Well, we'll pick this up next time. See you later.